Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast with me, Phil Saker. Today we are starting a new series on the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 to 12 today, looking at the Beatitudes. The good news is that I do start with a reading of the passage to begin with, but you might like to have it open in front of you anyway, just to follow along and be able to read along with what's being said. Just to let you know that this is part of a new thing on Understand the Bible called Church with Understand the Bible. And do have a look down at the webpage below if you'd like more information about that. Just getting started with uh, setting up a home church. And another reminder once again that there is more content available on the YouTube channel. I'm still working through the Firm Foundations course this week looking at Jesus and how he is the Redeemer. So do have a look at that and uh, don't forget if you'd like to support Understand the Bible there are various options to do that and those are all linked down below. So thanks so much everyone, I hope that you enjoy and I'll see you again soon. Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible sermon for the 30th of April 2023. Today we're looking at the Beatitude, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. So let's read the passage and then we're going to spend a few minutes thinking about it. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now what would you say being a Christian was all about? Maybe you might think it's about prayer and about reading the Bible and about going to church and trying to obey God, leading a good life, all of those kind of things. Well, in this passage here, the Beatitudes, Jesus describes his vision of what the Christian life is all about, what it means to follow him. And his vision is quite different, I think, to how most of us would describe being a Christian. This here is Jesus's vision for the Christian life in summary form. It is what one writer said, a manifesto, Jesus's manifesto for the Christian life. It's where he lays out his stall and says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be a Christian, then this is what your life should be all about. That's what the Beatitudes are about. Now, just before we get into the Beatitudes, the context of the Beatitudes uh, is that Jesus had been out and about. You know, he'd been healing people, he'd been, uh, crowds of people had been coming to him wanting healing. And, and that's understandable, isn't it? You know, if, if someone became known as a miracle healer, then you would um, instinctively want to go and, and bring any illnesses that you had and so on to them. 
So Jesus had become a, had a bit of a, a reputation as a healer. And it says here, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, when Jesus saw the crowds, the people who wanted him to heal them, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So Jesus is uh, starts out by trying to get away from the crowds. You know, he doesn't want to be known as a healer, but he knows that the more important thing is for him to teach and particularly for him to teach his disciples what it means to follow him. So this Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's teaching about what it means to be his disciple, what it means to be his follower, to be to be a Christian, in other words. So what does Jesus have to say about it? Well, that's where these Beatitudes come in as we said, kind of in summary form, in a nutshell, what the Christian life, what being a follower of Jesus is all about. Every single one of these, we could go and we could uh, spend a whole sermon looking at each one of these, but we're going to take them all and we're just going to say something a little briefly about each one. And the first thing that you notice just before we get on to the first one is that all of them begin blessed are. That's how every single one of them begins. And what Jesus is saying is that if your life is like this, then it is a blessing from God. He doesn't say, it doesn't mean if you want your life to be blessed, then you need to do this. But rather, it is itself a blessing to do this. It is a blessing to be like this. That's what uh, Jesus is saying here. So what does that mean then? What does it mean to be blessed by God in the Christian life? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to be someone who recognises their own spiritual poverty towards God. The poverty of our sinful nature, knowing that we don't have anything of our own really to offer God, knowing that you know we don't deserve anything from him, but knowing that we are sinful and all we can do is come to God confessing our sin. That's the heart of the Christian life, isn't it? That coming to Jesus, recognising our own sinfulness, that's what it means to, to be a Christian fundamentally, confessing our sins to the Lord and receiving his forgiveness. And you could say that was a summary of the whole Christian life, uh, just off off the the first thing, isn't it? You know, just knowing our sinfulness, coming to God, coming to Jesus for forgiveness. The second thing he says is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, what does this mean? I don't think this is talking about bereavement. You know, in our uh, former church, we had a, a, a bereavement cafe where this verse was the, the verse, if you like, that was on all the leaflets, you know, for the bereavement cafe. Uh, blessed are those who mourn and thinking about people who've suffered an earthly bereavement. But I don't think that that's what Jesus really means here. I think he's talking about those who mourn over their own sin and over the sin of the world. And this is something which we really understand and begin to understand if we know the Old Testament background. We don't have the time to go into all of this. I mean, throughout all of 
all of these Beatitudes Jesus is drawing on the Old Testament and we don't have the time to go through every single kind of reference that, that could be drawn. You need to know your Old Testament uh, and that's important. But mourning over sin is a part of the Old Testament. So for example, let me read what it says in Psalm 119 verse 136. Psalm 119 is famous as the longest sort of psalm in the Bible. Psalm 119 verse 136 says, Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. So the psalmist says, I weep because your law is not obeyed. And perhaps he's uh, mourning about his own life, or perhaps he's mourning about the state of the world. But either is mourning is, is what Jesus is referring to here, both and, you know, both about our own lives and about the state of the world. And we can see examples of that in the Old Testament. For example, Daniel, in uh, Daniel chapter 9, he prayed a prayer lamenting his own people's sinfulness and that they deserved only judgment from God, but that pleading with God for forgiveness and for real change. That's the kind of mourning which Jesus is uh, is commending, is saying that when we mourn over our sinfulness and over the sin of the world, then we can be comforted because we know that sin is redeemed by Christ the Redeemer. That's how we can be comforted when we mourn over our sinfulness. So then Jesus goes on to talk about more generally, I think, the attributes of what our lives should look like. Uh, being poor in spirit, mourning over our sinfulness. I think that's that's the heart of it. But then he goes on to talk more about the attributes that we have as Christians. So he says, uh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Uh, my wife has got a joke that she likes about this, uh, which is, uh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth if that's all right with everyone else, uh, which I think is quite a good one. Uh, but we do have this idea that meekness is a bad thing, that meekness is just being a doormat for other people and not, uh, not asserting yourself at all. But I don't think that's quite what Jesus means here. Elsewhere, just a bit later on in Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus says, um, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. That word gentle is the same word here, which means meek, which is translated meek. So Jesus is gentle. Now, if you think about Jesus, he wasn't someone who shied away from saying hard things. You know, he wasn't a doormat. And you can't read the Gospels and think that at all that he did submit to injustice in a sense through the cross, but actually he never um, accepted, if you like, the injustice. In fact, he always pointed out uh, the wrongness of it. And um, you know, throughout the, the gospels, he says hard things like to the Pharisees, for example, he said what needed to be said. He spoke the truth. He didn't shy away from saying hard things. So being meek doesn't mean being uh, doesn't mean being a doormat. It means putting the needs of others above yourself. It means submitting to God, putting the will of God above our own will, putting the needs of others 
above ourselves. And sometimes that means saying hard things. Sometimes that means being strong and saying things that need to be said. That comes into what it means to be meek. Uh, so that's what it means there. And it, when Jesus says they will inherit the earth, you know, there is this kind of thing, isn't it, today, that we need to, to get everything. You know, we need to push ourselves. We need to get everything that we're owed and hold on to it. And Jesus says that's not how it works. He says if we humble ourselves before God and do his will, if we put others first, then God will give us actually the things that, that we need and the things that we want. That is the thing. We need to put God first and we need to put others first. Uh, so then he, he moves on. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Righteousness is just what uh, the way that God wants us to live. Righteousness is looking and to see that we want justice to be done. We want love to prevail. We want everything to be done in accordance with God's perfect will and accordance with God's ways. And that's what it means. We need to hunger and thirst for God's ways in our own lives and in the world as well. And Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they will be filled. They will find the righteousness of God when we, when we hunger and thirst after it. And then he says, uh, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is really at the heart of Christianity. Mercy is, is what it's all about, isn't it? Knowing that we don't deserve God's forgiveness, but knowing that he does forgive us because of his love shown in Jesus Christ. We find mercy. And so if we don't show mercy to other people, then we, we've demonstrated that we haven't understood the first thing about the Christian life. If we don't show mercy, we show that we haven't received mercy ourselves. And that's what Jesus means here. And he demonstrates this a bit later on in Matthew chapter 18 in the parable of the unforgiving servant. We won't go through that now, but you might like to have a look at that afterwards if you're interested. And then he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Being pure in heart, being uh, free from uh, you know, sinful desires and wanting instead to be as God wants us to be. So this is just what it says elsewhere in the Bible. For example, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. A very similar thing to what Jesus says here. And that is uh, the experience that many Christians have, actually, that what stops us from seeing God and walking with God is our own impurity. You know, when we turn away from God, when we turn to our uh, sinful desires and selfish desires, that's what stops us from seeing God. But when we strive after purity, when we look to, to be the way that God wants us to be, when we look to him and, you know, search after him, that's when we will see God and find him. And that is when our lives start to, to change. You know, as we start to see God and, and see his goodness, that is when we can really begin to, to experience things in a new way. So being pure in heart, um, yeah, really important. Um, and then the final kind of attribute that Jesus talks about 
is he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, to be a peacemaker isn't about being like an earthly peacemaker, as in just helping people to get on well and stopping people from fighting. You know, that's that's not the kind of peacemaker that Jesus is talking about. In fact, a bit later on in Matthew's Gospel, he talks about being um, uh, actually bringing division. So this is Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, where he says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, what he means by that is that Jesus recognises he's a divisive divisive figure, that he is someone who is, uh, will divide people, you know, that some people will accept him and some people will reject him. And that will not bring peace. But this is the thing that the kind of peace Jesus is talking about is the more important kind, which is peace with God. That's the kind of peace that we really need. We need peace with God more than anything else. And that is the kind of peace that Jesus came to bring. So that's the kind of peace that he is talking about here. It is when we actually have peace with God and people who proclaim God's peace, you know, that being a peacemaker means telling other people about Jesus, talking about how we can have peace with God, uh, all of those kind of things, rather than just making everyone get on. You know, being a Christian is not just about making everyone get on, but about proclaiming the peace with God, which is the most important kind that we need. And then when we have peace with God, we can have peace with one another. So it's not entirely um, about, um, so it's not, um, it doesn't mean having nothing to do with peace between one another, but it just means that it's, it's primarily about peace with God. That's what Jesus is saying there. And then he um, finishes by talking about those who are persecuted. And you might be thinking, well, why does he move move to that? And I think the reason that he, he talks about being persecuted at the end is because if you just read this and, you, and you know, you're thinking about it, maybe you think, oh, that would be great to live that kind of life, wouldn't it? You know, it would be, it's hard, yes, we know it's hard, but perhaps you might think if, if we can live that kind of life, then people will love us and everyone will think, oh, isn't, isn't that a holy person, you know, if, if he's or she is, is doing what God wants. You know, they're loving other people, they're um, trying to be pure, seeing God, walking with God, you know, that actually they're a holy person, they're a good person and I, I like them. And Jesus says, hold on a second, you know, that's not the way that it works. We mustn't expect that. What he says is actually rather the opposite. He says, um, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And he says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That's how it often works in the world. Jesus warns us that when we do want to live a godly life, we will be persecuted. That's what it says actually in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That there will be people who reject us and who actually don't want us to speak, who will just take against us because of Jesus. 
that's been my experience in life that some people do uh, like to hear the message about Jesus but there are some who reject his message and who reject me because I'm trying to to live according to his ways of righteousness because I'm trying to do what he uh, wants me to do that's the problem with the world that the world has a kind of is topsy-turvy at the end of the day and and actually it made me think of um, this verse from Isaiah Isaiah chapter 5 uh, verse um, verse 20 which says woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and dark, uh, light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter that's what the world does you know it calls light darkness and darkness light it, it's a topsy-turvy world where that which is evil is celebrated as good and that which is good is called evil and that's what Jesus is warning us against at the end of the day there will be people who do not recognize good as good but instead think it is evil and unfortunately it is often the religious establishment as it was in Jesus's day who actually reject Jesus and this is what happened then and it still happens today it's often the most in inverted commas religious people who are the people who reject Jesus the most that's how it was then that's how it is today but it can come from any quarter it can come from it can come from leaders and government it can come from our friends and family but people will sometimes take against Jesus and not want and not uh, sort of persecute us because they don't want to hear the message and they don't want to see us living for Jesus but Jesus says we should rejoice and be glad this is what it says rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you so Jesus says when this happens when we're persecuted we should rejoice and be glad because that's just the way that God's people have always been treated they have always had those who turn against them they have always had those in the world and in society who persecute because of, of righteousness because of Jesus that's the way that God's people are treated but when that happens we can rejoice and be glad because we know we are doing what God wants when we face persecution when we face opposition we need to recognize that that is because we are living in the will of God and it's a topsy-turvy way of looking at it for us as well isn't it because so often we think when we do face opposition and, and persecution it's because we're doing something wrong but Jesus says no 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 you're doing something right this is what you need to expect being my follower you need to expect opposition you need to expect persecution however it comes uh, because it will but then rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven so let's just uh, take a quick summary then of what we've learned from the Beatitudes there's a couple of things that I wanted to to highlight before we finish the first thing is it's not old-fashioned to talk about uh, sin it's not old-fashioned to talk about sin and about purity when I was doing my training as a curate a few years ago in my entire curate training in the Church of England there was virtually no mention of sin in fact 
I don't think it was actually mentioned in any of the sessions that we did, sort of the teaching that we had, at all. It wasn't mentioned at all. I think there are a lot of people in the church today who seem to think that sin is a little bit passe to mention. Like, you know, we don't really want to talk about that. It's a bit old fashioned sin, isn't it? At the end of the, it's a little bit down. So let's not talk about that. But what Jesus is saying is that it's the heart of the Christian life. You know, focusing on sin and, and purity, as it were, not focusing on sin, but on being pure uh, from sin, upon righteousness, upon doing away with sin, but focusing on, on the ways that God wants us to live. That's what the whole Christian life is about, according to Jesus. We mustn't think it's old fashioned, but we must focus on living in the ways that God wants us to. We must focus on that, that purity to see God. The second thing is that it's not a bad thing to experience opposition in the name of, of Christ. In fact, we should expect it. That's something which is, it's a hard lesson to learn, but it's an important one. Because if we are seeking to live for God, if we're seeking to live for Jesus, then we will experience opposition. And if you think that being a Christian is all about sweetness and light and not about opposition, then when it comes, you'll be very disappointed and maybe even give up because you'll think, I wasn't expecting this at all. Now, Jesus teaches us to expect it, that being a Christian is not about winning praise from the world. In fact, very often we won't win praise from the world, but it is about uh, carrying on going, recognising that when we do encounter opposition, it's actually a blessing from God. It's a blessing in disguise, but it is a blessing from God because we are doing his will. So we need to reconfigure the way that we think about persecution and think about it rather as blessing from God. And I know that's a hard thing to do. And I know that really what Jesus has been saying all the way through is so hard, isn't it? So we need to pray and ask for his help in being able to put these things into practice, in being the kind of people that God wants us to be and responding well as we think about how other people react to us. Uh, so let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to be the kind of people that Jesus taught us to be in the Beatitudes. And we pray particularly that you would help us to have that focus on, on sin and purity in our lives, to be people who do hunger and thirst after righteousness and, and purity, who want to see you and to be filled with the righteousness uh, that comes from knowing you. So we pray, Lord, that you would help us to have that desire for you in our lives. And we pray that you would help us to have a, a right attitude when people do persecute us because of Jesus. Please help us to rejoice and be glad, recognising that this only happens because we are in your will and that it is a blessing in disguise when this happens. So we pray that you would give us right hearts to understand and to want to follow you no matter what. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.